Well, good morning, Trinity. It's a wonderful, wonderful privilege to be here this morning, to be part of you. Well, it's afternoon where we are, but that's fine. It really is a privilege, I must tell you. We love you guys. We love that city you live in. We love Canada. We love BC, to be honest. I think if our family weren't this side of the world, we would be that side of the world. But anyway, it's just wonderful. <laughs> So I don't know if my wife wants to say anything. I don't know where she is, but she's in another room. So I just want to give her a minute to see if she wants to say anything. Hey. Um, yeah, I'm sitting in the living room. If the animals get out of hand, I don't have to interrupt the sermon. Anyway, um, it is so good to connect with you guys. And honestly, the Zoom has been such a privilege over these times. And I think it is such a blessing how God has opened doors for us to, to connect despite what's happening. And so it is a real privilege to connect with you. Um, as I, I just I wanted to share quickly, as I've been praying for you guys, um, I just saw a ship like, and that I believe represents your body. And um, it was in real turbulent water. And I felt that you've, you've gone through a season of turbulence. I don't know if it's individually, corporately or what, but just there's been turbulence around. Maybe it's just the whole COVID thing, but there's just been a season of some turbulence. But I saw that you're coming to a place that God wants to still the waters. It's like when Jesus um, calmed the waters, he got into the boat. And I, I just sense that that's coming. Not that he hasn't always been with you, but it's like he's going to get into the boat and the storm's going to calm might have a great deal to do with the prayer and fast that you've been through. That's always a very, very powerful thing to do. And so I just wanted to encourage you because I think there's a season of calmness and stillness coming. I just wanted to share that with you. But it is great to connect, great to see so many faces, those that we know and those that we don't. And um, yeah, over to Ken. All right. Wonderful. Thanks, Shell. Wonderful, wonderful. Hopefully he's going to come step into my home as well and bring some, no, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. <laughs> but it is a real privilege to be able to share the word of God with you this morning. And I trust you'll be encouraged, you'll be strengthened. And I trust um, the word of God, it's living word, it's live, it's active, will work in us and through us. And so uh, we live in, definitely living in uncertain times. Uh, but there's nothing uncertain about God, nothing at all uncertain about God, about His Word. His Word is unchained. Timothy said His Word is unchained, it's not confined, it's not locked down. So His Word can go over space, over time, over continents, and do the work that it needs to work. So what I want to talk to us this morning about is something that I feel God just spoke to me about earlier on was do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. It's very important how we respond when we're in a place where things are maybe a little turbulent or we feel a little locked down or we feel a little strained or we're going through a couple of trials and tribulations. It's very important how we respond. Because if we respond biblically, we come through the other side much stronger and in a place that God wants to do so much more in and through us. So I want to talk about that. Do not lose heart. We position ourselves for what's coming, for what God is about to do, and I believe is about to do something significant. And it helps us stay in the place of faith. It helps us live with a victory mindset because the victory has been won already. It's not like we're winning the victory. We're just applying the victory. It's already been won. 
and it keeps us front-footed, not back-footed. And uh, it reminds me of a story in Exodus where God revealed himself to Moses and he told Moses, go tell my people. And seven times God said, I will, and I'll briefly read it to you. I will bring you out. I will free you. I will redeem you. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. I will bring you to the land of Saul, an oath to you, and I will give it to you as a possession. And God said to Moses, go tell the people that. I mean, that's amazing promises. Seven times, I will. Verse, 10 said, verse 9 says, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and cruel bondage. So when we lose heart, we tend to miss or not hear correctly. It blocks our ears. That's why it's so important not to lose heart when things around us are a little chaotic. So that's what I want to talk about. What does it mean not to lose heart? It means to get into trouble, to be exasperated by difficulty, to be defeated in spirit, or to be discouraged. Five times in the New Testament where this word is used, do not lose heart, with the Greek word for do not lose heart. Sometimes it says don't grieve weary, but it's the same thing. And I want to talk about three briefly, not to lose heart. And the first one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, because that's where we're going to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And if you read verse 1, it says there, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. So what is Paul talking about here? He's talking about this ministry of the Spirit. If you go back in chapter 3, you'll see he says it. We have this ministry of the Spirit. And he's saying here, we mustn't lose heart because he he compares the glory of God that came in the Old Testament when it came upon the mountain and it shook the mountain and, and uh, fire and lightning and the shaking of the mountain came and then obviously it came upon Moses. He says that glory faded. As powerful as it was, it faded. But when the ministry of the Spirit comes, it comes with glory that never fades. It never fades. And in chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, he talks about the glory that as we fix our eyes on him, we are changed from one degree of glory to the next. So in verse four, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, since we, through God's mercy, we have this ministry of the Spirit, do not lose heart. God is always doing a work, and the work he does within us that he does does not fade. Not like the Old Testament where it faded, and it came with incredible power. The New Testament glory does not fade. It never fades. Then if you read verse 16, he says this. Therefore, do not lose heart. Again, he repeats that phrase. But outwardly, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix, the better translation than NIV says, wow, we fix our eyes. Not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So Paul is saying here, we have this ministry of the Spirit, don't lose heart. Even though we're going through tough times now, and outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we have been renewed day by day. And before that, he lists some of the things that he went through. 
from verse 7 down to verse 12, he lists things how he was hard-pressed on every side, crushed, he, uh, but, uh, but not crushed. He was perplexed, but not in despair. He was persecuted, but not abandoned. And he lists those. And then he goes on to say, as a result of that, and the result of the ministry of the Spirit in his life and in our lives, God is working something in us when death is at work within us, but life is also at work within us to give it to other people. You can read it in verse 12. It says that death is working us, but life is at work in you. And he says, verse 13 is the key for me. It is written, I believe, therefore I've spoken, that same spirit of faith who also believe and therefore speak. So he's saying, we have this ministry of the spirit. Outwardly, something's changing and happening that we don't understand. Yet inwardly, we've been renewed day by day. There's a death process happening, but there's a life process happening as well. It's coming through us to other people. So he's saying, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Because there's an incredible thing that God is doing, particularly in times that seem a little tough. I want to read something that Derek Prince said. He said this, talking about 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, 17, 18, 19. He said, in the providence of God, affliction serves a useful purpose for the believer. It forms and strengthens our character and prepares us for the eternal glory that lies ahead. But affliction, trials and tribulation, serves us only while we keep our eyes on the invisible realm. If we lose sight of this, we become preoccupied with the world of time and of senses. We are no longer able to receive the benefits that affliction is intended to bring towards us. It's a powerful truth. That's what Paul is saying. Don't lose heart, my people. Don't lose heart. God is at work. Outwardly, you don't see it, but inwardly, something wonderful is happening. So I want to encourage you, even though some of you maybe feel like you've lost your job or finances are tough, or maybe you're at home with the children all the time and things are a little tense and they can get a little tense, or this tremendous uncertainty and, as I said, tension in the home. But inwardly, God is doing a work through this process. Inwardly, don't become discouraged. Keep your eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. What we focus on, what we give our attention to, that's what preoccupies us. So I'm encouraging, don't become preoccupied with the uncertainty of the season. Become preoccupied with who Jesus is. He's the victorious one. He's seated on the throne. He's with us. He'll never leave us. He loves us. And he's doing a work in us and through us, even in this season. And he's preparing us for what's coming. So that's the first one I want to say. Don't be discouraged. The second one is in Galatians chapter 6. So if you can turn there. I'll just give you a little time. Turn there. Galatians 6 verse 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from that spirit will reap eternal life. Then verse 9, it's, it's key. Let us not become weary or do not lose heart. It's the same thing in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest 
if we do not give up. So Paul is saying very simply this. He's encouraging people. These good works that he's calling us to, they cannot justify us or save us. Only Jesus Christ can do that. But he's saying one of the ways you will sow to the Spirit, to allow the Spirit to do a work in you ongoingly, is as you continue to do good to others, particularly your brothers, because he goes on, particularly those who believe. As you continue to reach out to others, it helps us take our focus of what's happening to me, helps us take our focus or even what's happening out there and lets us look out to others and reach out to others. And he's saying, when you do this, it's like you're sowing to the Spirit and you will reap a reward. And he's saying, do not give up in doing this. Don't lose heart and continue to reach out. So therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially those who belong to the family of believers. So I'm going to encourage you. Ask the Lord, how can I encourage someone else? Who do you want me to phone? How can I uh, strengthen someone else? Focus that way. That's what Paul is saying here, because then you sing to the Spirit, and the work will continue to be in you. All right. And then the third one is if you go to Luke chapter 18. This one will spend a little longer time with it. Luke chapter 18. Jesus is, I'll read it from verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show that they should always pray and not give up. It's the same Greek word, do not lose heart. It's exactly the same word. Do not lose heart. Do not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. But there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. From time to time he refused, but finally said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with the coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off or delay them? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. This is an incredible piece of scripture. There's a lot in the scripture, but I want to focus on part of it. This parable is about justice. That's what it's about. It's a judge. He was to dispense judges. It's about an adversary. It's not about trees or soil or seeds. That's normally what Jesus tells a parable about. This is about justice. And justice in the eyes of God is a big deal. It's a very big deal. 500 times in the Bible talks about justice. Psalm 89, 14 says this. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Love and faithfulness go before him. So righteousness and justice, and we are righteous because of Jesus Christ. You are always righteous because of Jesus Christ. And he wants to bring justice to his chosen one because that's the foundation of his very throne. So love and faithfulness will go before him. So about 2,000 years ago, a decree was issued 
from the judgment seat of God. In it, a legal proclamation was given for the church, for you and me. That when injustice is done to us by the devil, we can cry out to God day and night, and he will grant us justice. Did not give up, he's saying. Don't give up. So when we believe we have been wronged against, when something's been taken from us, or we've been criticized or slandered, or not given what we know is rightfully ours, we can take it to God. Never is justice against people. It's against the work of the enemy that he does against us. He uses people, understand that. But justice is not merited out to people. So we can come before the righteous judge and ask for judgment. And the Bible says he will repay us seven times. But there's three keys to his justice. Number one, justice is not revenge. Justice is not revenge. Or be a just decision is not revenge. You've got to understand that. Number two, God and God alone is the one who initiates the justice and in his way. God and God alone is the one who initiates the justice. And number three, we need to be innocent before the Lord ourselves. In other words, live in that place of innocence. We need to be asked for forgiveness and forgive others. That's a matter of our heart. When we don't forgive, we make ourselves the judge. Think about that. When we don't forgive and hold something, we make ourselves the judge. We take the justice out of his hand. It's like we tie the hands of the Lord so he can't merit the justice in his wisdom and in his way and his redemption and in his grace and in his love. That's what I mean. We need to be innocent before him. So we need to walk in forgiveness all the time. So then we can come to the righteous judge and call out for justice. To the degree that we're innocent, God can act on our behalf. So I'm encouraging you, walk in an updated relationship with Jesus Christ. As best as you know how. Walk what I call updated. If I don't update my computer from time to time, it doesn't work like it should work. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Even though I'm not an IT guy in any form or any shape, but I do know that. So everybody's telling me, update your computer, update your computer, update your computer. So you must let, leave, leave the justice in the hands of the Lord. It's not revenge. Walk daily in the right relationship. And then number four, ask. We must ask and keep asking. That's the essence of the parable. We must ask and keep asking. And the Bible says, will God not merit justice on our behalf, his elect ones? He's saying, therefore, don't lose heart, people. Don't lose heart. Cry out to the righteous judge. And he sees it in years. In due time, in due season, he will merit the justice in his way against the work of the enemy. Whatever that looks like, whatever it is. Never against people. Isaiah 30, verse 18 says this Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted that it may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who 
wait for him. So that scripture tells me as we wait upon him and not go ahead of him, he's the one in time that will execute the justice that is needed. But we need to wait upon him because he's waiting upon us to cry out to him. The Lord will wait for you. It's amazing scripture there. That God is waiting for us to cry out to him. So I want you to be encouraged, friends in Trinity. Whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through, however, whatever is happening, do not lose heart. God is at work in you. God is at work through you. You're changing from one degree of glory to the next because it's a work of the Spirit of God. It's sometimes we're not aware of. We're singing these songs now today that although I don't see it, I know you're at work. I know there's a song like that. I know I don't see it, but I know you're at work. And God is always at work on our behalf. And number two, continue to reach out to others. Continue to encourage others. Continue to focus out. Don't lose heart in doing good. I'm encouraging you. But know that good's not going to justify us before God or bring us righteous before God. It's a working out of what the work in us. It's a work of the Spirit that works out of us. And then number three, don't lose heart in crying out to our just God. Don't lose heart to crying out to our righteous just day and night, and he will grant us justice. So I want to encourage you with that. Don't lose heart, my friends. I'm not saying you have, but it's not only in this season, in the seasons to come. Let's not lose heart. Because that place that he talks about not losing heart is the very place that faith needs to rise up from inside us. It's the very place where the word needs to deposit it. And when we lose heart, it's like we take that place away from what God wants to do within us. So what I want to do, if I can, Mark, pray for you. Before I pray for you, I feel like there are some of you that are listening to me today that your mind is like a tornado. It's like your mind has been bombarded, either through worry, concern, or, or whatever. It's like it's, it's like a tornado. I saw a tornado going ahead of some people. And I want to pray that God would bring peace to you. I would pray that God would settle anxiety or whatever it is within you and that he would cause you to turn towards him in a new way. So I want to pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful church. I thank you for these wonderful men and women. I thank you for your continued wonderful purposes for these precious people. And I thank you that your promises continue to be yes and amen in Christ Jesus for these wonderful people. I thank you for Trinity. I thank you for what you're doing in and through Trinity. Father, I thank you you would encourage these men and women and families today. Let not the enemy come and steal away from their hearts. Let them not lose heart, Lord. I pray for peace to come to those whose mind is tormented or in turmoil. Even now, even over this distance, even over electronic systems, I pray for peace. I pray for your presence. I pray for your presence, Lord. I pray for your presence, Lord. Even as Mark spoke about it earlier, your presence, Lord, would flood over your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Bless you.